Praise the Lord. We're going to start over in 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to work my way over to some of what Gary taught on this morning. He was one of those things where I felt a leading, a leading in a direction, and Gary used every verse possible. Which you really end up, you kind of hate it, but you end up appreciating it. Half the time you're thinking, no, don't say that. I wanted to, I was, I wanted to say that. Don't use that verse. And, and, but, you know, you appreciate it. Like even the worship this morning, the song was, you would have thought that Gary talked to Stacy on picking that song because it went so along with his sermon. That tells you how, as a body, we're all, it's important that everyone learn to listen and obey and hear God's voice. Because he has a mind for us, a plan for us as a church, as a group of people walking with him. He has a, a job for us, a mind for us right now. And it's different than the mind for the church down the road. That's why we can't compare, because they're, they're following God the best they can. So I want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm just going to, I'm going to work my way over to John, hopefully. First Corinthians chapter 3. And I, brethren, verse 1, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. So Paul here writes to them saying, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people. So I want you to see the contrast. See, in Scripture, one way you interpret Scripture is by contrast. That's like saying black and white, or tall versus short, or big versus small. There's a contrast. So whenever there's a contrast, they're comparing against each other, the differences. And here's a contrast spiritual people, but as to carnal people. Now, how many believe that the people here he's talking to are born again? So we now can see that within the born again camp, because he's talking to Christians who earlier he gives them credit for walking in all the gifts, but now he's rebuking them for being carnal. So I want us to see the contrast here within the realm of salvation. So he's not comparing unsaved and saved. He's comparing within the group of saved people, born-again believers, carnal and spiritual. So they're two different opposing positions that you can walk in as you are a born-again believer. One is serving God through your carnal man, carnal thinking, carnal ability, and the other is through your spiritual man. I'll jump over here to 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, see, chapter 4. And I'll just read to you quickly, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So I'm, I'm trying, attempting to paint a quick picture here of the ability for a born-again believer to serve God on two different paths. One is spiritual, and one is carnal. Now when I say spiritual, I need you to stop thinking spiritual things. 
Because there is a way to experience spiritual things through your carnal man. But it's not spiritual according to what Paul is talking about here. In other words, there's a difference between being spiritual filled and spirit taught. So Paul here is saying within the church, there is a carnal way to serve God and operate in the gifts of God. And he calls them babes. If you're in your carnal, if you're serving God on the carnal path, and when you say carnal, many people think, yeah, smoking, drinking. I don't do that, so I'm good. I'm not carnal anymore. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not just talking about smoking and drinking and, and living like the world does. He's talking about a whole foundation of serving God through your carnal man, where you think and live in your carnality. Again, the carnality here is not only, the smallest part of it is the smoking and drinking. And that's why when you get around holiness people and they push you to quit smoking and quit drinking, we all quit smoking and drinking and we dress nicer and we we wear, you know, no makeup ladies and long hair and and there's a church near our house where every time you meet them, the, the all the ladies have, you can tell the ladies have developed an ability to follow the rules, but to be as feminine as possible as they follow the rules. So they have jean skirts, and the younger you are, the tighter the skirt is, And but you still have a skirt, no pants. And somehow it's navigated to jeans, so they're all, they all have like jean skirts. It's really odd. But who knows what the man in their group has ruled. You can adapt your flesh into a holiness picture, but really not be holy at all. I think Pastor Dave always said you can you can cover everything up and still be operating under a spirit of lust. <laughs> you know. So they've learned how to act spiritual, but in carnality. Again, verse one, chapter three, first Corinthians. I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual people. Again, he's talking to the church, born-again believers. But as to carnal. So I had to speak to you in your language so you could understand. I had to speak to you in a carnal language so you could understand. And then he says, as babes in Christ. So we understand that that is also an imagery of someone living in carnality means that they have grown in their activity for God, but remain as an infant in their understanding of God. You grow in your ability to activities of God, but yet you remain as an infant in your understanding of God. So stay with me, because I'm attempting to go to where Gary started this morning. Now I'm going over to chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Oh, let's start in verse 4. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you are enriched in everything by him. Now remember in a couple chapters, he's going to rebuke them. He's going to call them babes, like not babes like you're a babe, to a lady, like you're a, you're, but babes, like you're a baby, 
You're an infant. You're a child. Okay? So he's about to call them carnal, the same group he's instructing here. That you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as a testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So that you come short in no gift. So we understand that they're walking in the gifts. And we talked, the last time I taught, I talked a bit about chapter 12 and chapter 13. The gifts not being a compliment, but being a, the only way God can work through you if you're carnal. It's the lower way. He says in the end of chapter 12, let me show you a more excellent way. So if we went to chapter 13, talking about the more excellent way, I could teach chapter 12 as, let me do a seminar on the gifts of the Spirit and teach you the less excellent way. How many would like to do a seminar, go to a seminar, the lesser way or the better way? See, chapter 13 is the more excellent way. That means chapter 12 is the lesser excellent way. Lesser than what God has planned for you. So he says here, So you have come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name... Now remember, these are saved people. I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been clear to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I'm Paul, I'm Apollos, I'm a Cephas, or I'm a Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Lest any of you should say, I baptized in my own name. Yes, I baptize the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptize any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, verse 18 now, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now here I want us to be careful not to instantly go when we say the word power, instantly go to raising the dead power. It's so much more than that. He goes on, For it is written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the, this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Now, again, let's stop here. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? So the wisdom of the world, let's pause there, because he goes into the Greek 
and the Jewish people. The Greek seek after wisdom. So the Greek world at the time was known for being those who sought knowledge, sought wisdom. Um, there's many great philosophers back then who who were wise in their sayings. And many of the principles that even our country is based on is from the wisdom of of the Greeks and the wisdom that they had uh, developed. So the wisdom of the world here is not talking about, again, drinking and smoking. It's talking about the worldly wisdom of living. That there's a wisdom in the world of how to be successful in the world. And you could go find it, you can learn it, and you will be successful in the world without ever knowing God. I remember we had one preacher come through uh, years at the church I was at many years ago, and he, his preaching was, God wants you blessed and prosperous, the most prosperous in the neighborhood. If you don't have the biggest house in your neighborhood, you're not walking all God has for you. Because God, if you are with God, you are prosperous. And this is always from someone who, who can get your money from you. And, and I remember thinking at that time, I'm thinking, well, I know there's one house in our neighborhood that's the biggest of them all, but it's not owned by a Christian. It's owned by a guy who owns like clubs and bars. So it doesn't mean that all prosperity comes because God blesses you. You can get prosperous through the principles of the world without God ever touching you. And the religion of our Christianity, because there is a religion of Christianity that is rooted in most people. It's been rooted in you, and the thoughts and the principles of success have been rooted in you by the time you've been in church for a while. By the time you get to know the Holy Spirit... You've already got a system of religion rooted in your thought process that says this is how you walk and act like a Christian. But I want to prove to you today that there is a carnality Christianity that isn't smoking and drinking, that's walking in the gifts and in the presentation of miracles, sensationalism and signs and wonders, that is from the carnal part of man serving God. And there is a wisdom that comes in from the world that is also crept into the church that tells you how to be successful. My two gentlemen I talk about who supposedly came to one of my services and one's a a doctor he pulled up in a BMW or a Mercedes and uh, his wife walked out and she's you know beautiful and and they're both thin and he's in his 50s he's, he's got gray hair but he has all his hair and he's skinny and he eats vegetables, and he's, he, his kids are there, and they're behaved in church. They're in church, but they're not saved. He's wealthy. He's disciplined. He's not in debt. He's healthy. And here he is in church, and, and one of you picked up a guy on the street on the way in with a homeless sign. You promised him lunch if he'd come sit in church with you. You tricked him. So he's in church waiting for lunch. And his, he's homeless. His family's given up on him. He's a drunk. And he's here. He's not successful. He's a bum. He has no money. But he's in church sitting on the opposite side of the wealthy guy with his beautiful family. 
Both of those men are from a dead, not dead, a species called humans who are dead already. They're not alive in God. They're existing, but they're dead. They're dark. They will end up in hell because that's where dead people go. And unless, unless they find life in Christ, they will end up in hell. Well, both of those men, everything they have in life, the bum who is, an, is a, uh, uh, a drunk, everything he has has come from the darkness world, the world of darkness. The doctor who's successful, everything he has, everything he's learned how to be successful in life, is from the world of darkness. Not from the world of light, because neither of them are born again. They've not tasted the wisdom of life yet. When they come up to get saved, because of my great preaching, they come up and get born again, both men at the same time. Both men start brand new as born again believers. But yet they're still filled with the knowledge and wisdom that lies within their carnal man, their carnal mind, which was trained and taught by darkness. Darkness can teach you how to be evil in this world, how to live in all kinds of dark things and be a drunk, but can also teach you how to be successful in this world. Both of them are feeding the flesh what it wants. But when you're born again, you start new. You are born again. You come into existence, into light for the first time. That new nature brought to life your inner man, which now has the ability to understand and grow in the wisdom of God. It only feeds on the wisdom of God. So now I'm back to chapter 1, verse 20. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? So the foolishness of the wisdom of the world is everything that doctor has brought success in his life for. Every advice he has for you. Because I could tell you right now that in many churches today, we would take that man who is a doctor and successful it has got the biggest house in the neighborhood. it has got a car paid for. He's got health. He's in shape. And his health isn't because of good genes. His health is because he has been disciplined in his eating. <laughs> we could take that man and say, Sir, you have all the promises of God operating in your life. Prosperity, healthy family, healthy body. Will you please come and turn around Take the microphone and teach us how we can walk in what you have already. Even though what he has, has come from the world of darkness. It did not come from the world of light. So every principle he can teach you about success is going to be foolishness to God. You can say amen if you're still with me. And this is the problem that you've run into in your walk when you were introduced to the Holy Spirit. Someone, somewhere, you heard the introduction of if you pray in tongues, it'll change you. That's the message I heard from Pastor Dave. And, and I thought, well, great. I've tried everything else and failed at it. I'll try this. But he, I did not know the change that would happen. 
And so what begins to happen when you pray in tongues, it is like an infant being fed milk from its mother. Because that is the way you are in your wisdom. In your wisdom, in your spiritual man, your inner man, you have none. It must grow in wisdom. But that wisdom that the inner man grows from is spiritual wisdom that only comes from the mind of God. It has to originate in God's mind. Now, I can find spiritual wisdom from any one of you. If you tell me something that God has shown you, a revelation, if that revelation truly started in the mind of God and you got over to you, you can teach it to me and my inner man will drink it in because that is the only place, say only if you don't mind, that is the only place your spiritual man, your inner man, gets its wisdom or its growth from. It has to originate in and from the mind of God. It can come in the form of a prophecy. If that prophecy is a word of God and not a word of man trying to manipulate you, then that is also a source that the inner man will drink that wisdom in. It can come from the teaching, from the pulpit. It can come from your own reading and and learning. Um, It can also come, most importantly, from the Holy Spirit teaching you That wisdom starts out as a baby and grows because your inner man, understand your inner man, your inner man's mind, the brain of the inner man, the spiritual body, it was full of knowledge from darkness because it was dark. But when you got born again, you plugged in a new nature of light and it lit up your inner man. So all the knowledge that the inner man had was wiped out. It was rebooted has now been quickened to life from dark from death, from darkness into light. So now it has no knowledge like an infant does. And that's to show you in First Corinthians here how Paul addresses the people as being carnal yet still babes. They're not behind in any gift. They're walking in the power in signs and wonders, in miracles, yet they're carnal. They're babies because they are not investing enough into their spiritual man to let that grow up from an infant to a child to mature believer. And we can go into chapter 13 another day, but that's exactly the contrast in chapter 12 and chapter 13 is the contrast he's talking about in chapter 1, that you can remain a baby, an infant, in God, in spiritual things. See, when I say spiritual, we have to rewrite what that means. Because so much of the, the church has painted a picture of spirituality, which includes falling down on the floor, includes experiencing God's anointing, the glory cloud, open heavens, signs and wonders, gold dust. But it doesn't have to get that extreme where you have gems and gold dust. It could be as simple as, getting drunk in the spirit, or those experiences. But you understand, that type of spirituality is what they had in 1 Corinthians, in the Corinthian church, which meant the carnal man was experiencing God in a way through their carnality. And it was a spiritual experience, but the spiritual experience that Paul's talking about here is not an experience through the carnal man, it's through the inner man, the spiritual man. 
lot of our lingo has been twisted into, we have to untwist it. We have to claim back. If we're going to blaze a path into revival, we have to claim back the language of what it means to walk in revival, which means we have to articulate better from our standing what things mean because they're, they're twisted. When I say, hey, we, we need to pray in tongues, hey, I'm filled in the Spirit. You'll hear many people, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But being filled with the Holy Ghost is not the same as being taught by the Holy Ghost. Verse 21, chapter 1, 1 Corinthians. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Now, that means that the, the wisdom of God that you get from the Spirit that he gives to you as a nursing mom begins to contradict the wisdom of the world. And the wisdom of the world will look at the wisdom that God's taught you and say, that's foolishness. But what Paul is saying, that wisdom is actually from God and making the wisdom of the world, foolishness. When you started to pray in tongues, whatever got you going, where you started to spend time alone with the Holy Spirit, if you were like me, and I'm sure we all gone down this path, things started to dismantle in your thinking. Things like, I thought this was God, but I realized it wasn't God. When you started to look at Jesus of the head of the church instead of a man as a head of your church, then your system of authority began to conflict with the system of religion that you were in. And that's why many of you are no longer able to attend a regular, typical American church. Because I used to preach from here, you need to go to a church. I don't care if it's a Baptist church, just go to a church. You can pray in tongues at home. But then I quit that because so many people listen, actually listen to me. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, no, 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 don't listen. I'm just, I'm just barking, you know. And what happened was they would go to a church and try to get involved. And all of a sudden the system of organization, which is structured around the wisdom of the world, where a man is ahead of the church, started to conflict with what God was teaching them how to follow the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about the flaky people who float around and are not accountable to anyone. Because if you're going to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit, you will find that he'll ask you to be accountable to a number of people in your life. To where you have people who speak into your life and people who are allowed to speak into your life and question you. I'm trying to define, redefine spirituality and not allow flakiness to take it over not allow lack of maturity. To, to, we have too many believers who have taken the lack of maturity and made it spiritual. You know, these are the guys, the parking lot prophets, who, you know, the people who show up in a church, you never met them before, and they show up at your church and they say, the Lord has sent me here to correct this church, and I'm here to prophesy. 
and they're offended when we kick them out quickly. Like, we don't want you here. Get out of here. I don't know you. Why would I ever let you speak to people I love? Why would I let you try to teach? I don't even know who you are. I can't question. You know, there's one pastor in Brazil, and, and she said she had a lady show up in her church and was beginning to prophesy in the church. Never met the pastor and was doing a good job, like, you know, reading their mail and all those things. And the people were starting to like this prophetess. And eventually she said, I, I need to meet with her. And so she said, I'm going to come over to your house and we need to have lunch together. So the pastor went over to the prophetess's house who never did not come up through the, the authority of the church, just showed up in the back and started to teach and, and prophesy. And she said, the pastor said, as I began to talk to her, I discovered that her, her husband really wasn't her husband, but her living boyfriend. And they were living together. And here she was prophesying to our church. And I had to put a stop to it. See, that's the protection that a church is supposed to offer you. There's another church that I used to preach for, and they had an evangelist come into town, and everyone got excited, had a tent evangelist, and very successful. And so all these churches got behind it, and he was very charismatic. And a few people had problems. There was something wrong, different in their spirit. Ever notice that? Where, man, everything seems right, everything they're saying is right, but I just can't quite jump in. See, that's the maturity of your inner man conflicting with the wisdom of your outward man. See, you have a problem. Talking to you. You have a problem. Your carnal man understands the wisdom of the world, but does not accept or understand the wisdom of God. And that's why you'll have a conflict of many things That's why you have these discussions in your head over and over. Is this God? Is this not God? Is that God? Where is this coming from? It's important that you have those conversations so you learn which is of God and which is of the world, which is of the inner man and which is of the outward man. So these churches got behind this charismatic evangelist, and I remember the one old preacher told the younger preachers, no, there's something wrong with this guy. I can't put my finger on it. There's just something not right. And the younger preachers dismissed him. You're just old. You're just old-fashioned, old in your thinking. Look at the fruit. Look at what's going on. So they got behind it. The old preacher refused to. And it ended up that his wife was really not his wife. It was his girlfriend his wife was in another city and he had brought his girlfriend to be his evangelistic wife i guess and they were preaching with miracles signs and wonders but see if you're source of god's miracles you're the authority this is what gary was teaching on today a little bit you are the authority the holy spirit and the father is the power but he needs you to be the authority. The best line today, and we used to give like a three-week uh, period of uh, giving credit, then we steal it, is Jesus is the vine, you're the branches. But then he said, the fruit only grows on the branches. doesn't grow on the vine. Oh, man, that was good. That was worth the whole sermon this morning.
So now let's go over to John. Uh, this is where I started to get nervous, where Gary started to take my verses. John 16. John 16. Jesus says, verse 5, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, I want to stop there because we're going to look at this from a distance. Was the Holy Spirit here before Jesus was resurrected and glorified? Was he here in Genesis and in, in Joshua? Was he here? Was he here before even man existed? The Holy Spirit is God. He's been here forever, and he's always been here. So what does it mean that I'm going to send him if he's already been here? He's already been here. So why is Jesus having to send him? So there's a change that happens with Jesus being glorified, in other words. And when he has come, verse 8, he will convict the world of sin. So you can underline that if you're an underliner. His job is to convict the world of sin. Now, his job is not to convict you of sin. That's the new nature's job. His job is to convict the world of sin. See, that tells you that the Holy Spirit is always working in the, the darkest of nations where they've taken Christ out of the nation, where they'll behead you if you mention Christ. The Holy Spirit's working right now, operating, convicting men of sin, trying to bring Christ to them personally. You cannot chase the Holy Spirit out of your school, out of your town, out of your country, He's everywhere, working all the time on every person, the best that they give him, the best that he can. We are the authority, we're the salt of the earth that allow him to do what he wants to do. But he is nonetheless working in every nation what he can. He is convicting the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. So that's his role with the world. Any religion, any country is to bring a conviction that they need Jesus. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of righteousness basically meaning the pathway of righteousness is the pathway to the Father. It is a salvation message. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged, which also tells you, that part of the reason of Jesus coming was to bring a judgment and end of the, the devil's ability to destroy worlds is coming to a close when the trumpet sounds and he is eventually put in the lake of fire for eternity, legally locked into the lake of fire, imprisoned, because that's what you do with a lunatic, is you imprison him and you lock him away forever so he can no longer harm other creations. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So he says to them, I want to teach you things, but I can't. You cannot bear them now. 
How many know the apostles, well, disciples, walked in power? But yet they were not born again. I want you to see that there is scriptural proof here that unsaved people walked in power by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But also born-again people who remained carnal in their thinking, in their foundation of philosophy, carnal in their structure of serving God, and remain as an infant spiritually in their spiritual knowledge. Whenever you hear the words baby or child, or you see a maturity level, that maturity level is basically not how tall you are. It's how full you are with knowledge of God and have made that part of your life. Spiritual growth is not how tall you are. Because if you're, you know, five foot four, you might be, you know, our kids are in the tall stage where Ava was super proud to point out that she's taller than her mom. I mean, it was like a, a coming of age thing. She'll make sure you know it if I don't let you know it. And Harrison, of course, is always proud he's taller than me. So spiritual growth is not how tall you are. Spiritual growth is how much knowledge of the Spirit that came from the spiritual realm, from the realm of God's mind, you have brought into your own life. And do you know that in the Corinthian church, they served God, they walked in miracles, signs and wonders, yet remained as babies in spiritual knowledge, yet successful through natural wisdom and structure. The Corinthian church ended up being structured by the wisdom of Greek wisdom, the wisdom of the world, and not the wisdom that came from God's mind. And see, this is where you should learn that you're okay. When you begin to bump up against things, against structures and things that you've been taught all your life, and all of a sudden you find yourself uncomfortable in that philosophy, in that thinking. That's what I learned. That's, what, that's who God is, right? You know, I remember I preached at one church, and it was funny because it was a group of churches I came up in, so I understood them. I had a lot of their, if not all of their philosophy in my life, but I had learned to pray in tongues. And as I went to go preach there, it wasn't under their umbrella, but they were going to there was a guy there who asked me to come, invited me to come preach and talk to the pastor and said, can he come preach? We'll use one of the room. We'll rent a room from the church and use it for three nights of services. I said, I don't mind. I'll come. I never talked to the pastor, but his pastor was directly underneath the people who started me in ministry. And so I thought, well, you know, he's going to love me. And so I got there, attended the church and the whole sermon that Sunday, I, I attended the Sunday service, met with the pastor before the service, the night before, had like a, a lunch with him, and dropped all the names of everyone who he worked with. They're my mentors. They taught me so much. Everything I did would have dismissed any concern of him, thinking I was a shark or a, a wolf trying to hurt his church. But yet the Sunday morning, the next day, because I was speaking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, kind of like that. So we attended Sunday morning. The whole sermon was, if you're not under a church authority, then you're not under God's authority. 
If you don't attend a church and have a pastor and come into a town and preach, not under the umbrella of a church, you are out of God's authority and you're in danger. And I'm listening to him preach. And the altar call at the end of this long sermon of how, and I've heard it before, I just didn't realize how offended I was at it until then, about if you're not under the structure of a church structure, then you're in danger of the devil eating your lunch and killing you because you're not under God's authority. You can't stand for a healing or stand for a blessing if you're not under a church, under a pastor. How many have heard that kind of teaching before? If you haven't, you don't need to. But that was in me. I didn't know that. Well, he preached that sermon to me while I was sitting there to his church. And at the end, his altar call was, we're going to dismiss you, but before we do, we have a brother who's visiting here, and he will be holding services the next few days. He doesn't have our authority. He's not under authority. He basically banned his people from attending the services I was doing. And no one attended from that church because he had drawn a line in the sand. He had no reason to because I had dismissed any logical reason to think I was going to hurt his church. But he was offended that I would not come and be under my... My structure of following God was conflicting with his structure so much that he was going to have to persecute me and get me out of the way. There was no room for my structure in his structure. And many of you, uh, even ones who are listening, have run into that problem. That problem has been the spiritual man has begun to learn spiritual truths from God, and it is starting to influence your outward man. And then it starts to influence the people around you. And it's okay for you to follow God. That means that all preaching must be confirmed by your spirit. When I preach stuff, or or Gary or anyone who preached from this pulpit, it should be, your inner man should go, yes, yes. And a lot of times when we preach out there in other churches, people look at me and they say, I don't know what you said. It's like how Pastor Dave, my first five years of Pastor Dave, I, couldn't, I didn't know what on earth he was talking about, but it sure felt right. Well, people can feel that. Like their inner man is being fed, and they don't understand it because they've been taught a way of serving God and being filled with God from the carnal standpoint. And we're having to reteach, re-educate, re-articulate what it really means to walk in the Spirit. Hey, my brother, you just need to walk in the Spirit. Oh, man, I get filled in the Holy Ghost. I get drunk and it's full of, no, it's so awesome. It's just awesome. I get filled with the Holy Ghost. High five. And you're thinking, man, I spent 10 hours dry mouth praying. Shandara, Shandara. And I didn't have any happiness, no excitement. I just had complaining from my outward man trying to get me out of the prayer closet. See, that's two different revelations of what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. That's why I'm saying being filled with the Spirit is like the beginning. But being taught by the Spirit is a different experience. See, when you pray in tongues, He teaches you, your inner man, knowledge, but you start off as a baby. That's why it says renewed in the inner man, because you renew the knowledge of the inner man's mind because he used to have knowledge in there. It's a rebuilding. 
If he could renew the, net, the knowledge of your natural man, he would have done that before you were saved. But he couldn't. Just like he couldn't send the Holy Spirit to come, he wasn't sending him for the first time, but he was sending them to a way, a new way, because they were changing. Not him. They were changing by being born again. That's why they had to be connected to the vine before they could receive the Holy Spirit. And it goes on here. Let's see, verse 13. Or verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take what is mine and declare to you. Again, Gary's message this morning talked a lot about the unity of the Godhead, but there are different jobs that they do with us. All things that the Father has in mind, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. In a little while you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me because I go to the Father. So here Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit as coming as the Spirit of truth. In other words, he was coming as a preacher of truth, a teacher of truth. Well, where was he 10 days before? Why was he not there? Because they could not comprehend the truth because they were not born again. So they were carnal in their whole makeup. They were dark. When you got born again, you went from a creature of darkness where your outward man was left to darkness that's why it has to be replaced at the trumpet. But your inner man was brought to light by the new nature. Now you can fellowship with the spirit of truth and be taught the wisdom of God from spirit to spirit, from his mind directly to your spiritual mind, like a nursing mom nurses a baby, and you can grow up on that truth. If you don't get that truth, you will remain an infant the rest of your life on this earth. You'll remain an infant in your understanding. You can attend a thousand church services, a thousand seminars, have prophecies, all those things. But if they don't originate in the mind of God, then that truth does not come into your spiritual man to cause you to grow. You remain an infant. And the danger is that we can live our whole life. If I, I can prophesy, meaning I, it is so strong on me. The word of the Lord is, the danger is that you can live your whole life serving God and never know God. Live your whole life thinking under deception, thinking that you are pleasing God, and yet you are walking in a carnal ability, carnal thinking. You know this when you go through a hard time, a difficult season. And all the people in your life who don't pray or spend very little time praying will come and give you advice or judge you without telling you, look down at you, tell you how you should fix it. Well, just do this. And you say, I know I could do that, but I just can't. Well, why not? I don't know why not. I just know I can't. Well, you're just being spiritual. You know, it's no good to be heavily minded, no earthly good. You know, you need to be earthly good. 
And so there's a pathway available to believers. The workers who come to God, and I started off as a worker, meaning we looked at how we could serve God. We looked at feeding the poor. We came up with ideas of how we can get active and bring people, other people into activity. One time as a youth pastor, I started a program called Undefiled. The, the pure and undefiled religion is helping feeding the widows and taking care of the widows. So I started a program in our community where we would go find a widow, uh, a woman with kids who didn't have a husband or man in her life, and we would go as a group. We'd go fix their cars, clean their houses, fix up their houses. We would do that as a church, as an outreach. It was very successful. And so that was the worker's philosophy. I'm saved. I want to work and serve God. But all that was out of carnality. It was still okay, but there's a carnal walk with God. There's another group that splints off of that where they look for spiritualism, spiritual experiences. And they're the group that are excitable. They're the ones who shout, yay, and they run. You ever been in a church where everyone runs? I've been in there and you got to run. I went to one church where I was preaching. It was funny. And the preacher got up. It was just a little church. And the lady preacher got up and said, during worship, and, and, and they, start, they knew how to get down. Like they were dancing like crazy, working up a sweat, dancing during worship. You know, I don't like to sweat before I preach. And I'm not much of a dancer kind of guy anyway. And the preacher leaned over and looked at me. I'm the guest speaker. You need to swallow your pride. You need to cut loose in the Holy Ghost. Some older gentleman came and grabbed my hand, and he was teaching me how to dance. And I thought, oh, I'm being trained by the best. You know, so we were dancing, and, and I found out later he was like the worst dancer in the church. But he was willing to teach me what he knew anyway. One church I was in, and the people started running around, and I had this ginormous guy run up to me, grab me by the hand and say, run. And then he took off holding my hand. So I went running around the church with him. Otherwise, I would be drugged around the church. But there's a whole, what they call spiritual, is that can be actually carnal, emotionalism, where you're doing it in the name of God. I heard things like praise or no, worship is what you do with God. Praise is what you do for God. So in other words, if you get excited and run around and shout, then you're doing that as an offering to God. So even if you don't want to do it, just jump and shout and get excited. And so all those were principles that were taught to me how to serve God. Now I realize that a lot of that was the carnal thinking way of being spiritual. Experiencing God in the spiritual environment through the carnal man is still carnal. It's not even more spiritual. So this brings me to my core verse today. Chapter 14 of John. We'll start in verse 15. Again, I want you to see the two platforms that are available to you once you're born again. The moment you're born again, you have two platforms. One is to grow spiritually, which is 
that you take spiritual wisdom from the mind of God and you fill that into your spiritual man and your inner man renews itself with knowledge of light and now you can understand the deep things, the principles of the God that are from the Spirit. When I say Spirit, don't think glory cloud. Think God. God is Spirit. So when I say Spirit, I'm talking about wisdom that comes from the mind of God. Not excitement, not goosebumps. All those things are good and okay, but they don't replace real spiritual truths real spiritual wisdom. That wisdom is foolishness to the world. But to God, it is his wisdom. And the world's way, the world's plan for you to succeed is foolishness to God. What? You're going to do what? (laughs) Ah, You're silly. You're crazy. That's silliness. Why don't you just go play patty cake? Is foolishness to God. But yet, when you're walking with God, the world system, which unfortunately has crept into the church to define success in the church, what's going to happen to the church in America, and I, you can see the shift happening, it's gone from the workers being the biggest supporters of the church, where we're, we're organized, we plan together in Canada, we understand teamwork, so it's easy to get a group to a man together and do something big in the name of God, but God have nothing to do with it. Didn't take any faith, just took community. Let's build something and give God the glory. Let's go help the widows and give God the glory. They all look good, but really they're just carnal. It's a carnal way of serving God. It's from the carnal principles, and they've crept into the church. What's happening to the church as a whole, as I'll just say in America, is that it's starting to hunger for spiritual things. It's starting to want more than just being a good group of people doing good things, because that gets boring after a while, unsatisfying after a while. So they start to look for spiritual things, but because of their walk has been taught and developed in carnality, the spiritual things they're looking for are on the outside, spiritual experiences. Because how many know spiritual experiences can be much more fun than sitting in your prayer closet, going shandaba, shandaraba. But yet there's nothing more spiritual than sitting in your prayer closet for 10 minutes, speaking in the wisdom of God, God himself, the Holy Spirit, speaking his wisdom from the mind of the Father, his wisdom into your spiritual mind. And your outward man, your outward mind says, I just spent an hour and nothing changed. That's a lie. Amazing miracles just happened in that hour. You actually were able to receive a truth, a spiritual wisdom from the mind of God himself. To you, little pee on you, a little dot on a little planet in the big universe, and you had God himself sit down with you and take an hour and teach you because he, he comes as the spirit of truth, not because he changed, but because we changed. 
we were now able to go from darkness to light, and we're now born again, we can now fellowship with the Holy Spirit, not on the outside like they did in the whole Old Testament, like the disciples did before Jesus was glorified, but on the inside where he will begin to teach you who you really are from the mind of God. There's nothing more spiritual than that. John 14, verse 15. Jesus talking to his disciples. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now the commandments he's talking about here are not necessarily the Ten Commandments or the Levitical law, the 613 laws, commandments that are in the Jewish tradition. The basic commandment is you must be born again. And here he's telling them in these next verses, even if you don't get born again after you've served me and had miracles, if you don't become attached to the vine, you're going to go to hell. So follow me into salvation and don't let the Jewish traditions come back to take you away after I leave. If you love me, keep my commandments. Follow me into salvation. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth. See, the Spirit of truth meant that the relationship with him, the Holy Spirit, was not, he was not the Spirit of truth to them before salvation because they could not understand him. They were completely carnal and dark in their thinking. But once they follow him into salvation, they can now be introduced to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth, the teacher, the helper, the comforter. Because they changed. Their inner man was brought to light by the new nature. Now they are as infants in their understanding spiritually. Can you imagine the doctor that got saved in my great preaching? All that he had, every bit of wisdom, understanding he had was useless in the kingdom of God. Every bit of advice he could give in the church was foolishness. Why are you having this foolishness taught from my pulpit? The worst thing you can do is go to some churches and ask for advice and they start giving you material out of the world. Maybe it's been regurgitated by a Christian, but it's from the world on how you can be successful in the kingdom of God. And they use world principles. They find your gifting, your talent, your personality, and they fit you where you fit. But God never puts you there. And the church is in danger of getting into spiritualisms, thinking they're getting spiritual, but they're really just following God in their carnality. They haven't, they're still infants. They haven't grown. The only way you grow in God is when you take his knowledge and you put it in your inner man and it becomes part of you. Without that, you remain an infant. So we can take the doctor and everything he has, every bit of advice on how he was successful is useless foolishness in the kingdom of God. Is it all bad? No, it's not bad or evil, but it's foolishness. What God has for you, you can't get from a man. You've got to get from God himself. 
Now, God could send it through a man, yes. But you start looking to man, trying to get your calling. I mean, this whole ministry is built on activation. You need to come to the prophet, and I'll speak and activate your calling in you. Glory to God. I'm going to give you this whole bunch of... Bunches. I can't even listen five minutes to some of the sermons. It's so, it's so shallow. But people like that because it means I don't have to spend time in the prayer closet. I can get it from a man. And you'll have to pay that sucker to get him. He'll, he'll cost you. Verse 17, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, so they knew the Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you. See, that was the operation of unsaved man with the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit because he dwells with you. You've seen him work in miracles. You've seen him in the giftings. You've seen him before you were ever saved. You walked with him. But once you're born again, is what he's saying here, he will be in you. That means that Moses, who saw the Red Sea split, that miracle, that sign and wonder is nothing compared to the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. Now, this work is not, is, this, is, this is an intimate work because he says here, I will not leave you orphans, that he will come in you as a, as a you're birthed into God. He's like, in, in Peter calls him like a nursing Mom, the Holy Spirit. He will be your helper, your comforter, your guide. He will nurse you, feed you, teach you what you need to know to grow into who you're supposed to be with God. Now, what do you do if you're a doctor and everything you have is successful? And you hear me preach today say, I need you to take all that wisdom and compartmentalize it over to your doctor life because you do have to go to doctor school to get worldly knowledge to be a doctor. You can't just show up at a hospital and say, I'm here to operate. Well, what, do- what school did you go to? Oh, I went to the school of the Holy Ghost. They will arrest you and put you in the loony bin of, of the hospital. So you need to compartmentalize that to your worldly life and understand that your spiritual life now has to, you start at zero. You're a little child. You know nothing. You know nothing of success. Now this is where the only advantage that the doctor has is he may have the discipline in his life to put to practice the spiritual principles of praying in tongues and spending time with the Holy Spirit versus the drunk who may not have developed the discipline to take care of doing those things more than five, ten minutes. However, the advantage to the drunk is he knows that he has nothing in life to rely on. God's his only hope for anything. It's actually harder for the doctor who just got saved, took his first breath of light and life to trust in the walk of the Spirit versus the guy who hasn't had success in his life. That's why many people who walk in the Spirit come from dysfunction, because that's all you've had. The only hope you ever had was God helping you. You've had to rely on Him. He will be in you. This is the miracle-working wisdom of God when you let the Holy Spirit see this is not being filled with the Holy Spirit see we need to watch we need to re-articulate our language it's okay to be spirit filled but what does that mean to people 
Ah, uh, you know, go to go to ninety percent. Well, I won't say ninety. Eighty percent of the churches in Tulsa. How many here are spirit filled? Almost all of them put their hand up. But yet they haven't prayed in tongues for ten years. But they had an experience of being spirit filled. That's the beginning. But spiritual taught means you spent time with the spirit of truth, the teacher, where he taught you from his mind to your mind, your spiritual mind, the things of God. And after you pray in tongues for a while, things start to rise up from your inner man and slap your outward man around. You know, slap, 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 slap. Where you, everything was great, and all of a sudden, slap, 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 slap. The inner man begins to bring wisdom from the spiritual mind and begins to conflict with the, the wisdom of the natural mind. Psh, 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 slaps up. And you start to wonder, is this okay? Because this goes against what my pastor used to teach me. These things are rooted in you. Religion gets rooted into you. And I always bring back up Gary's message on the widow's might when we smuggle that into our church area in Tennessee and, and started to listen. We heard that Jesus was not given credit to the widow for giving her last two mites. He was rebuking the Pharisees for taking and talking her out of her last two pennies. You know how many offerings that we had heard at Bible college at that time that said, now the widow gave her last two mites. You broke Bible college students need to give your last two pennies if you want God to bless you. And we were standing believing for food, for cars, for clothes, and preachers would come through and harvest the last two pennies every time, you know. And when we heard that, the first thing I thought after I was shocked was, my God, if that isn't true, what else in me isn't true? And I'm telling you, I'll prophesy to you if you want, but the mission that we have isn't just preaching and finding revival of miracles. It's bringing in the truth that came from the Spirit of God and confronting the lies of religion that has been built through the carnal thinking of man serving God. Busy for God, doing wonderful things for God. This is why it's nice to hear what other people think about revival. Other generations talk about revival. It's nice to hear their wording and their thinking and encouraging. But none of them have walked in revival. None of them have walked in what we are believing for. None of them. So there's people barking from the religion carnality. They're giving instructions, directions, using words from the scripture. But it's through the carnal man's wisdom. It will never get us to revival. No matter how nice it sounds, no matter how good it sounds, you say, I'm going to go spend time with the Spirit. They'll say, oh, I did that years ago. We're way beyond just that. We're healing and, you know, and they're, they're doing a good work. How many know that when you go build a well in a country and you preach Jesus while you build a well for the poor city, poor town, that's a good work because you preach Jesus. It's a good work. It's all a good work. But it's not good enough to do what the Bible says, which is to walk in the fullness of Christ. That's not good enough. So we can't take instructions from them. That's their job. They've, that's where they want to go. We want them to be blessed. 
We don't compete against them or compare ourselves against them. But the things that we have to learn are not going to be learned from anyone, any YouTube video, any advice column, any Facebook prophecy. You're not going to learn it from them because they're not walking in it. They're not walking in it. They can't tell you how to do it. Let me preach a sermon on the gifts of the Spirit. The less excellent way. And we have whole seminars and books based on that and whole foundations of walking with God based on carnality. Whereas we have a walk with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, where He will be your Spirit of truth and teach you the deep things of God. So easy to dismiss. I'll close with this. It's so easy to dismiss the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I need to reword that. It's so easy to dismiss the, uh, what's the word I look for, the compelling, the drawing in of the Holy Spirit, where he says to you, come spend time with me. Come and sit down at the table where I can teach you and be a spirit of truth to you. See, it's so easy to dismiss that time, that necessary time that we can spend praying in the Holy Ghost where he teaches you spirit to spirit, his mind to your spiritual mind. It's so easy to dismiss that drawing, that gentle call when you wake up in the morning, come spend time with me. It's so easy to override that with carnal ways of serving God. Oh, I'm going to go do this for you. I'm going to go do that for you. And you feel satisfied. So much of the church is feeding their carnal man an offering every day, every week to satisfy, to make it feel purposeful, feel valuable, feel wanted. And they're leaving their inner man starving and like an infant in knowledge. And they spend their whole life feeding and offering their time, their effort to satisfy the carnal man. And they're calling it in the name of God. But it's no different than the Old Testament saints. The work that he really wants to do is in you. The work that he wants to do in you is only going to be found in your inner man. It's not going to be found in your outward man. Otherwise, we can just go collect all the, go to the wealthy neighborhood, find the guys with nice cars and healthy bodies and and good families and bring them into church and say, we need a seminar on how to be successful. Just add Jesus at the end and we're good. The church has been messed up with carnal thinking. And I think the majority of our work is going to be uprooting that out and blazing a path of spiritual walk that isn't spiritualism. It's spiritual taught, spiritual truths. Let's keep praying in tongues. Amen. Amen. Got a great work ahead of us. It's, I hear all the time from our kind of people. You know, I only prayed four hours this week. And I keep reminding everyone, like, look, I know pastors who have not spent four hours praying in tongues their entire life. And they're successful pastors, (laughs) big churches. So you're not doing bad at four hours. Just don't be discouraged. Be encouraged and keep going. You are on an amazing path. And if you feel like you're missing it, if you feel like you're not successful, 
That's just your carnal man complaining because you're not letting it run your life. You're having God run your life. You are successful in God. Keep praying in the Holy Ghost. Father, we thank you that as a remnant of people who are seeking truth, who are taking advantage of spending time with the spirit of truth, I thank you that everything we need in our life to make it through every battle with our outward man, every battle with the devil, every battle in this world, every lack we have from you. You are our only source, not man. You, Father, are everything we need, everything we have. So today we would just receive your grace that this week we will grow in the Spirit and learn spiritual truths that will stay with us for the rest of eternity and change our life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you so much. We're so proud of you. So blessed you're here. And if you like prayer, please come on up to the green line. Otherwise, you're released to go change the world. God bless you.